Thank you for tuning in to These Nuggets with your host, Dejan Rose. Today's episode is titled Raising Adults. Now, there are many proverbs on how to train up a child in the way that they should go. And if you actually follow the basic formula that's in Proverbs, you can end up with a successful child. Many of us actually ignore what's there or we think that we can offer a better life or better alternatives based upon what we experience in our lifetime. And many times we drop the ball as parents because we think that we're giving them a better life. But in turn, are we? The question I want to pose to you first is, are we preparing our children for the best childhood to avoid a lot of the mistakes that we made or the mistakes that we notice other people making? Now, I'll be the first to admit that I've been guilty of making statements about how soft these kids are, you know, how lazy, how unmotivated they are, which reminds me of some of the things that my parents actually used to say back in the days, you know how they used to have to walk so many miles of school. You know how you, the old school folks, and old heads got all them stories. And now I, I find myself thinking back like how many stories I had of, of my struggle, of what I thought was a struggle and how much easier this generation's having nowadays. And we want to point the blame. We sitting there, we want to point the blame at their generation. But at the same time, we forget that there's three fingers pointing back at us. And the real question is, are we failing them to develop strong life skills? And this is just based upon the way that we want to spoil them, how much we want to give to them, how much we coddle them, how much we intervene, how much of the decisions we make on their behalf. Are we really helping them or hurting them? My son, about a week ago, um, he started to inquire more about the books I purposely like purposefully have been like laying around on psychology of behaviors, um, you know, and sales and all these other kind of things as he's getting older. So uh, he hit me up and I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna be back in town and I'm gonna get ready to cut his hair. So Elijah and I watched Valuetainment. Now, Valuetainment is a YouTube channel for entrepreneurs. Um, it's actually um, designed and is created by my online mentor named Patrick Bed David. And we were talking about his book recently. And with this new book that he had just come out, and actually the book is right here. Let me take it, take a glance at it. It's Your Next Five Moves. Your Next Five Moves Mastered the Art of Business Strategy. So I'm thinking about, you know, just business and things of that nature. And we just started watching this YouTube channel. And I was like, oh, son, matter of fact, there was this episode that I watched. It was 15 things school won't teach you. And, and I just knew that there was a great point. There a lot of... Excellent nuggets in this episode about how kids can transition into their adult life, right? 15 things that school won't teach you. So I'm like, okay, this is a perfect segue because he's already inquiring. He wants to know more about business. He wants to know about the psychology of behaviors and sales. And he wants to, you know, as he's getting ready because he's 19 years old. So he's like, okay, I'm about to transition into my, my young adult life. And I want to know more. I want to be able to do more, make more money and, and be happier. That's basically all he really wants. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's, let's watch some of these things right here that would help advance a lot of your skills that a lot of people don't even practice or understand to this day. And it dawned on me, based upon 15 things school won't teach you, it was like, why did I ever think that either school or life in general was going to teach him these things without me laying down a blueprint for him? 
And even if I do lay down a blueprint by being an example, why would I wait for life to teach him how to become a successful adult without explaining things in detail exactly how to build? Because we say, okay, like I'm the blueprint. You should have saw me do it. So therefore you go do it. No, this is just because you watch a man fish doesn't mean that you actually know how to put the, you know, put a reel together. Doesn't know how you you know how to put the bait on there without getting hooked. No, doesn't mean that you know how to cast a reel. Doesn't mean you know how to you know. It's, it's so much details to fishing that you have to be shown step by step in order to be successful at catching fish. Are we showing them step by step how to be successful at becoming adults? So, like we mentioned before, training up a child in the way that they should go doesn't stop when they're young. No one graduates from the school of personal development. And this is a lifetime journey. So as they get ready to transition and graduate, because many kids are graduating. This is a graduation season right now because we're in the month of May. I see all these, uh, you know, posts and everybody's posting their pictures of the kids. I remember doing that a year ago when Elijah graduated. And I'm realizing now that, you know, many of them are struggling with finding their purpose, finding their passion, finding their what they really like, the real meaning and what they can contribute to their lives. And it's it's. It's a lot of them. So many teenagers, and it's not even teenagers, and even young adults who are graduating from college right now, they're still feeling burnt out before they even catch on fire. They haven't even lived a life worth being burnt out on. And it's like, why are they feeling this way? Is it because we have such high expectations of making sure that they get good grades, that they're ambitious, that they're hardworking all-star athletes that they're developing in their artistry, that they're leading the pack and they're modeling good behavior and that they're representing us well. And I mean, they have, we have these standards that they have to live up to from the time that they're extremely young and they're constantly wondering like, am I, am I hitting the bar? Am I hitting the bar? They want validation and they want to be accepted from us to a point where they need to overachieve in order to be great at who they are according to our standards. So many times what we do, we overparent, we micromanage. And on, in addition to that, they're trying to live up to this lifestyle that it's it's <laughs> the fake lifestyle. So we already understand what, what social media is. They don't get it. They don't get it. They, they take on this concept that this is real. And everybody's out there just partying and having a great time in life and making tons of money. And this is going to be easy because you can go viral in a heartbeat. And, this, you know, you know, what I mean, it, it takes about five years in order to go viral or be successful at something. I mean, there's sometimes you have as you see a few overnight successes, but it, 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 it's hard work and it's tough and it's hard work to maintain it. But they have social media and they want to live these glamorous lifestyles. And right now I'm going to mainly talk to I'm, I'm talking to millennials, millennials who have Gen Z's. Um, but right now these nuggets are applicable to all generations, but I really want to talk about millennials because we were the first generation obsessed with being rich and famous. Like I'm talking about totally obsessed with it. We needed to be rich. We needed to be famous. We want to retire earlier. And many of us are getting up there closer to 40. Like we're we're in our forties now retiring early, um, traveling regularly, you know, um, taking on entrepreneurship. Um, you know, thinking outside of the box. I mean, we're trying to innovate in so many different ways because the technology has caused us to like catapult into the next level of getting things done efficiently. 
So we think that we can go ahead and, and, and tackle these things. But are we setting the false expectations of what they can experience in their lifetime? So, like I said, we're the first to want to be rich and famous. Think about how much that has been magnified over the last 40 years, especially in going into this Gen, Gen Z generation. And many younger generations believe that being liked, having somebody double tap their picture, barely working or being praised by others is the only life worth living. They want to they want to live this lifestyle that they're just like they can show off. They can brag about that. Everybody else envies and they feel like a failure. And I've heard them say it. They feel like they failed or they it's hard to live up to. It is like I said, we have expectations. But in addition to the pressures of social media that they feel like they need to live to this specific lifestyle. And I just noticed this over the last few years of how many young adults are disabled because their parents didn't wean them off the tit early enough. And they have this mentality that these kids are just figure it out because they come of age. It's impossible. It's impossible. We got 18 year olds. We got 21 year olds. We got 25 year olds who don't even have common sense. Now, common sense isn't common practice. So many parents my age we are older. We already know that when we grew up and and we compare ourselves to the current generation, like how come they couldn't just figure this out? How come they didn't know to do this? And we've removed that level of critical thinking from their lifestyles. And I can honestly say that I wasn't ready to tackle life when I went off to college, when I got married, when I started a family, um, when I, you know, thought I was transitioning to an adult when I was 18 years old and 19 years old. How much harder is it if it is for them? They're exposed to more. So we think they're growing up faster and they're understanding more, but they're still children. They have the mindset of young teenagers and we have to help them develop that. And the earlier we start the better we'll be. And I want so badly for our children to have a desire to go after certain lifestyles and meet our checklist of standards that we usually forget about them living life to the fullest. We want them to just like, okay, meet everything on my checklist. This is what you need to go to college. These are the test scores you need to have. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to, how to, you need to behave yourself. This is how you need to dress. This is, we put so many expectations on them. And it's our duty and our obligation to prepare them for the next life. We want to hold them and keep them in this standard of being a child for so long that we're forgetting that they're transitioning into an adult where they're going to spend majority of their lifetime. This child-like behavior is only going to last so long and it's a short period of time. There's no more than 20% of our lifetime that if we live uh, our expected age that we're going to spend as a child. And the longer we're there... The, the, the longer they're going to struggle in their adult life because they're going to carry over these childlike mindset and childlike behaviors into their adult life. And it's going to affect them. It's going to affect their mates. It's going to affect their children. It's going to affect them in their employment. It's going to affect so many areas that we're not preparing them for that they need to be prepared for. And many of us already know because we're struggling with some of those things. Where you're immature and you need to grow up and maybe some of your areas of financing and budgeting. Where you need to grow up in some of your areas of discipline and self-control. Where you need to grow up in some of the areas of, of, of taking care of your health. Where you need to grow up in some of the areas of, of emotionally exploding and dumping. And now everybody 
everybody's in need of therapy. Everybody. There's areas where we can fix and we can prepare where we don't need to do so much repair on the on the the end. We can start being more proactive instead of reactive. And that's the goal of basically this episode is how can we be proactive? And it's never too late. I look at my children now and I'm like, okay, you guys are getting older, but it's never too late for them to understand the principles that they need that they're going to use for the rest of their lives because they're not going to just figure it out. It just, it just feels like there's a weight that's already still being lifted off my chest because parenting is not easy. There's no guide. There's no structure. There's no manual because every child is different. But we want to, like I said, we want to set our child up and we want to train them in the way that they should go. How are we training them? In the, some of the struggles that we're dealing with. I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. Uh, some of the things that we deal with that we should just be more transparent about. So I just want to say this first. You're more than a parent. We put this ideology, of course, of like, I need to oversee and manage the things that they got going on in their lives. And we take away a lot of the responsibility that they need to have. Now, I just want to say that we need to be more prepared, we need to be vulnerable, and we need to be transparent. That's the best thing that we can do as a parent because they look at us like, okay, there's a huge gap of communication here. And then you have this management versus employee mindset. And that's why they struggle sometimes even in business. You can notice the culture is offset because of the communication barrier. And after that, you have one who's in a power position who doesn't know, who just basically give instructions and direction to the other person. Without getting any true feedback, without getting any true um, adjustments according to their lifestyle, adjustments according to their abilities, we put everybody on the same platform and say, okay, just because there's other kids are doing that out there, you should automatically be able to do the same thing. You got to get rid of that management employee mindset. That's how the parents basically look at their children or children look at their parents. And if you live, if you work in the corporate industry, you, you know what I'm talking about. So basically, be prepared. Some cultures start to train their children at the age of 12 years old or when they begin puberty. So if you're able to to basically reproduce, you're at an age where you need to start transitioning and learning some of the basic things of adulthood. When you are able to reproduce. So that's basically when you start beginning puberty. Now, think about the jumpstart on life you would have had if you started earlier. And I made a mistake by starting my kids closer off to their senior year in high school because I'm like, okay, now they're going to start getting, they don't want to be more independent. You know, they're going to start going out more. They need to start handling more responsibilities. And I started that off and they're closer to their senior year in high school of explaining to them. I tried to always be a good example, but explaining to them, of course, this is what you need to do to be more independent. For yourself, that's going to benefit you in the long run. And this is what you're going to have to deal with with being an adult for the rest of your life. I could have done a better job of starting them off earlier. I just wanted them to be babies as long as they could and not have to deal with those type of things. But did I disable them? I believe I did. Because I tried to do it for as long as possible. And we don't want to, ex- they're already exposed to it all. The better that they get to understand it and start to process it, even if, and it's not something that we have to force on them too young, but. Exposure and awareness is always beneficial. So when is it appropriate to start explaining and start talking to things about how we manage the five different types of communication, whether it be verbal, nonverbal, written, visual, listening? Huge. 
the five different types of communication, the five different love languages. Many don't even know what those are. Many adults still don't even know what these things are. Why a personal development is extremely important in your belief in achieving your goals in life. Influence, negotiating, having a strong worth a work ethic, how to manage their emotions, how to deal with things like credit scores and taxes and budgeting and financing. And, and of course, the most difficult of all, just parenting in general. We don't always get it right. But when we when we mess up, it's OK to say, admit that we're wrong. It's OK to have these discussions and say, you know what, I could have done this better. And this is what I'm going to do better because now you can hold me accountable to it. And also things like our faith, our triumphs and our failures. They don't get a chance to understand enough about our failures to know how we overcome them. So when they're challenged with them and they they're thinking and this, this has become a, a huge we're in a generation where there's there's so many mental health um issues, clinics, awareness, all these things are going on because everybody's struggling emotionally and no one knows how to get a fix. Other than going to therapy classes, the the great place, the greatest place to start is learning more about yourself. How do you process things? That's why when I started learning about neuro-linguistic programming, I was like, wow, this is life-changing because now I'm understanding how my brain works. I'm understanding how my words can speak life or death into a situation. Now I understand how I'm programmed and how I process things internally and how I regurgitate it externally. Neuro-linguistic programming was a huge piece of why I started this thing called coaching and development and personal development for others and leadership training and development because it helped me understand a lot of the basic things about anchors and triggers and and embedded commands and all these things that are used on is these tools that are used in forms of marketing and sales and training. And it explained it and to put it on a platform, it was just simple, basic for me to grow. And now, of course, I'm over here dropping nuggets. I'm over here dropping nuggets and you're listening. And you're like, wow, blown away. No, this is just little pieces of information that we should have known and been taught. So it's a lot. I'm just saying one day they're going to experience it all. And wouldn't it benefit them to have a jump? Wouldn't it have benefited us to have a jump start? Absolutely. So we need to have pre-planned, heartfelt conversations that are needed in in all the areas, mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, and emotionally. And this benefit isn't only one-sided because we're not just pouring into them. Having those discussions reinforces what we've learned, what we need to learn. Like I said, it holds up, it holds us accountable because once we talk about it, we got to be about it. They're going to watch us and they're going to keep an eye on us because now they've been exposed to why we do what we do. We always want to tell them what we do. And you need to do this because I said it without explaining the true why. Boom, let's start about this. I talked about these different things. So we talked about mentally and financially, emotionally, spiritually and physically. Right. So let's let's talk about the mental health checklist that we need to have with our kids nowadays because the suicide rate is, is rising. These kids are going into longer forms of depression. I mean, there's they're in a the funk now where they are having these little silos and these little groups now where they're just attracted to each other because birds of the feather flock together. So they'll find each other in a heartbeat and it will just be, you know, soaking together. How do we have these mental health checklists? This is a mental health checklist. So this is a mental health check-in. And here's a list. 
These are five things that you can just throw out there with your kids just to start a conversation. And you may not get it right away, but you're planting seeds. So don't try to force them into a conversation. You need to lead that conversation and they'll begin to open up. So how do you feel about blank? How do you feel about such and such? How do you feel about the political climate? How do you feel about what's going on when you see somebody like George Floyd die on camera? How do you feel how the how do you feel about the police treating people of color? How they treat our, our young black boys and girls? How do you feel about these specific things? How do you feel about, you know, the opportunities that you have for work and what they're paying nowadays and, and, and what the kind of lifestyle you believe that you can live? Number two. So how do you number one is how do you feel about blank? Number two, what are you afraid of? We need to know their fears. Maybe it's something that we've overcome it that we had the same fears. The apple doesn't fall that far from the tree. Number three, where do you find happiness? Where? Where do you go in order to lift your spirits up? And then after that, we can bend. Sometimes they don't even know. They, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Where did we find ours? Or we might even see them to help direct them into that, that area. Number four, what makes them sad? What brings you down? Because these are uh, like these are all steps from for awareness. From these is this is the mental health check in list. And number five, how can we help each other? Me and you partner together to make our relationship better. And then, as a parent, once again, you start with suggestions. That's just a quick five step mental health check in list. Now, I mentioned other things like spiritually. You know, you can explain why you pray. I started praying for you when you were before you were born. And I'll spend the rest of my lifetime praying for you so that you don't get preyed on by the predators out here in the streets or you don't make others your prey. Because you don't understand <laughs> that it's it, you don't want to become that predator and how much difficult that's going to bring. Uh, you know, trials and tribulations in your lifetime. And after that, sometimes it can it can roll over into the family. So that's just something that you could talk about spiritually. Emotionally, why are you struggling? To, what as, a, as an adult, this is the ways that we need to have these conversations. It's like, what are we struggling with to manage in our life right now? Something as an adult. This is something that we expose ourselves. So we talk about being transparent. We can be vulnerable and we can have these conversations. What are we struggling with to manage in our lives right now? Another one is like, what is our biggest heartbreak and how do we get over it? Because these kids don't understand that when they get their hearts broken, oh my God, the world's going to end. I can't believe they broke up with me. They don't really love me. They don't really give me likes and they don't really come to me. And they're talking bad about me now. And they, who, who gives a damn? You're going to get over it. You're going to find somebody better. You're going to love harder because life moves on. And we've been there. We've done that. What was our biggest heartbreak and how do we get over it? Another one, how do we prepare for opportunities? You don't prepare after the opportunity presents itself. You have to be prepared before somebody comes knocking on your door if you're ready to go. How to move. What's your love language? This is another thing how we build up each other emotionally because once they start to understand their love language, they know how not to get manipulated because somebody speaking to their love language doesn't mean that they love them. They just randomly doing things because they just say, okay, maybe this right here is going to Make them like me. No, that doesn't mean that they love, though. It's just that I, it's my love language, so it's the way I interpret love. It's important to understand what your love language is. 
or your child's love language. And you need to speak to your child's love language as well so that they it's not something foreign to them. And when someone does, all of a sudden they think they fall in love super fast and ignore a lot of red flags. Another one is how do you see yourself in your child? This is how you emotionally develop them. What should they be mindful of that you struggled, you struggled with as a child? And last but not least, like, what are some of your biggest regrets? You can't say that it was them, though. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's going to hurt them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You can't say one of your biggest regrets is your child. Your biggest regret was probably boning that night when you know you should have been using some protection. I mean, that you ain't even got to go that far. But at the same time, hey, maybe sex is your flaw. I don't know. Physically, let's talk about this thing physically. As, as kids get older, we lose our touch with them. And I mean, like in a literal sense, we lose our touch with them. There's less affection from when they were a child and affection reduces stress. It's known. It's medically known to reduce stress, physical touch, affection. It's a strong love language. It's my number one love language. So I understand how important it is to have physical touch. Everyone's not built that way, but it's it's medically known to reduce stress. And a lot of these kids are feeling stressed. So they'll have a better grasp on what it feels like to be loved and touched appropriately because you set the bar. It may feel uncomfortable for them because I know once they start to get to that, like I said, that adolescent age. So when they start to go through middle school, all of a sudden they're just like, oh, don't kiss me on my cheek or don't hug me like this or don't expose me in front of my friends. But I'm telling you right now, even as an adult, that child inside of us still needs affection no matter how old we get. We still want love and we still want companionship and we still want somebody to hold us and hug us and love on us whenever we feel we don't want to be deprived of it. We don't want to deprive our kids of it. So that's why it's important to keep that that connection, no matter how uncomfortable it gets at times, physically with our children. Financially, sit down, sit down at the table and show them bills. I don't. My parents got a chance to break down what bills were, but I didn't get a chance to see specific numbers and how big. They multiplied how quickly they added up. How many hours does it take to afford a PS5, a pair of Jordans or some Gucci slides? How many days, how many months does it take for you to afford those type of things that they want that they just think that, oh, somebody's just going to go ahead and pay for? No, that's a day's worth of pay. I need to struggle. I need to work hard for this day's worth of pay. And now I got to sacrifice instead of. And how does it balance in the quality of life? Other things financially is like basically how much money do you budget for your household expenses, food, clothing, entertainment? Do you put money in these different buckets or do you just just think that life is just going to go on as it is? And you just keep spending and find yourself in too much debt and then you're stressed out. Because now you're a slave to your job that you don't really like that much, but you overextended yourself financially because you didn't know how to budget properly. Kids need to know these things at a younger age. That way, when they start getting thrown credit cards, when they first enter college, they don't they don't overextend themselves. They're already getting the debt with no guarantee when they get out of college to 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 pay them in exchange for what they sacrificed over those years. (sighs) It's work. That's all I'm saying is work. There's a Harvard grant study and this is done by, the you know, I'm pretty sure you heard of Harvard. The Harvard Grand Study is the longest longitudinal study of adult development. 
So these professors started way back in like 1935 and started studying some kids. They studied over 700 men and they found what is successful in order for people to have success from kids all the way up to their adult, all the way to some, many of them died. These guys, and they studied their lifetimes over 70 years, 70 years of, of, of studying and research. And there's some of the conclusions that they came up with. Financial success depends on the warmth of the relationships. And we think that it has to do with, oh, what you get on your SAT score and, you know, how hard are you willing to work and, and, and what degree and what the master's degree that you're going to get. And, and when you're going to go to, you know, graduate school and, and are you going to get your Ph.D. and are you going to become a doctor and a lawyer or who wants to be the next president or get into politics? No, financial success depends on the warmth of relationships. It's the strength of being able to network, being able to read people, being able to understand, being able to connect, being able to properly articulate yourself. I mean, these are these are strong things that they need to know. And that's the warmth of relationships. Integrity. These things right here are valued in relationships. And in turn, this is another thing that they came out of their studies that good relationships keep us happier and healthier. We know this to be true. You know how relationships, with divorce rates being so high, many, and I'm talking to parents right now, but many of us are growing up in single parent households. I was fortunate to have a, both of my mom and dad in the household. Me and my friends didn't, and it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that they didn't find success in their lives. But of course, it did make it a little bit different when you don't have that that balance. And that's what usually the having both parents there for is the balance to make sure there's a form of balance and discipline. There's a, there's a form of balance in development. There's a form of balance in love and growth. I'm saying good relationships keep us happier and healthier. And the last thing I'm going to talk about right here in the Harvard Grand Study this is something that I found out and I'm like, wow, it totally makes sense. This was that wow moment when that light bulb went off. Chores. Here's a, here's a, 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 a quote by Richard Broomfield. He's a psychologist uh, on the faculty of Harvard Medical School and author like a book called How to Unspoil Your Child Fast. He says, if your child or if your kids don't have regular chores now, it's never too late to get them started. It's never too late to get them started. Here's another thing from another college. Research over the years basically makes a case strong for chores. At the University of Minnesota, they did an analysis over a 20-year period and found that the best predicator of success in young adulthood on measures related to education completion, career paths, personal relationships, and rather it, it, it had to it, it all depended on them doing chores at a younger earth. At an earlier age or at a younger age. And it started as early as three and four years old. Responsibility. And I said this many years to my kids and then try to get them to understand that responsibilities are what separates kids from adults. Responsibilities. Just because you turn 18 doesn't mean that you're an adult. Just because you come become 21 doesn't mean that you're an adult. Responsibilities are what separates kids from adult and many Adults are responsible and they're very immature in their lifetime and their lifestyle. And we can see that and things that they struggle with. And it's just like, wow, wow. How did they not learn or develop these skills in their adult life? 
last but not least, I want to say this one thing before I just give you all these just nuggets. I'm going to give you, I'm going to close with like 12 nuggets. So, I mean, it's not that you didn't get enough already, but home, home is very important. I think this is a safe place. This is our refuge. This is our sanctuary. And especially when you don't have a two parent household, household, you have to be mindful of, of the atmosphere and the temperature that you set in your home. So we got to gauge this thing. And it's it's the safest place anyone should have in the world is your home. That's your sanctuary. And the most dangerous place for a child or any person to find refuge is in the world or out on the streets. So you have to be mindful that if you're creating that safe space for your child, because your your job as a parent is to build, to protect, to develop, to coach, to to lead and we have to create these safe emotional spaces in order to have these conversations without us jumping to conclusions and beating our child up over the head without realizing that we're not building them up or breaking them down. So we got to make sure our households are safe places. And then I just want to start. Oh, I just want to jump into this nugget so fast. Let me say this last thing. Creating that safe space for a child to flourish in, you will find peace. You will give them peace and it makes everyone life better. That you're directly connected to in your home. And after that, that's going to be reciprocated when they have their own. And they're going to know the expectation when they look at somebody else's home that's dysfunctional and say, this is not this is not fulfilling. This doesn't feel good. This is not safe. And I need to get out of this space. So nuggets, D's, nuggets time. So let's drop these 12 nuggets on you real quick like this. Um, based upon what I just said, like a... When you have a dysfunctional household, I just want to say this thing about abuse. And I know I didn't really talk about it during this whole episode is that an abusive relationship, it does more damage than divorce. An abusive relationship does more damage. That's the first nugget I want to hit you with. Sometimes we're so scared to let go of someone that we don't realize the damage that we're doing to ourselves and our children. And if we're going through the divorce process, explain how how we're going through the emotions how we're battling our emotions, what it does to us because they're going through the process as well. And we forget that they're in the middle. They want to still be loved. They still want to try to understand if they had something to do with it. And we need to be more transparent in that area, not to bash another parent, but to be transparent. Okay, this is where the struggle started to lie. This is why it, it's going to a point where it's going to end. Who And it's, people make mistakes. So like I said, it's not to bash the parent that they're going to love. It's to say that, you know what, this is why it doesn't work out for us. And that's why we made our decision to go ahead and get a divorce. Number two in nuggets, you have to be aware of your fears. You have to be aware of your fears as a parent because sometimes we, we force our fears onto our children. And those fears may not be a fear for them. So they might want to do something that we're setting, saying that, okay, no, 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 you can't do this. Or I don't want you to do that because I'm protecting you. And they're like, well, you're not protecting me from anything because this is something that I I need in my life. I feel like it's going to make my life better. And it, it, I'm not afraid like you are. Beware of your fears, because if you don't, you may be creating a rebel. And then you're wondering, why does this kid keep on doing the exact thing I'm telling him not to do and protecting him from? Because you're afraid. Let them know why you're afraid and why it's your fear and then how they can possibly help you overcome that fear. Number three, this is the third nugget right here. Give them more responsibilities. We talked about them doing chores. Have them make more decisions. 
um, give them pets when they're younger to make them do more things and take care of somebody else or give them ideas to earn what they want. We always want to give it to them. We want to throw it in our lap. We want to make life easy. And we want to spoil them. But after that, we're sometimes creating a monster. We're creating these spoiled young adult brats. And then we, we watch them blow up online. And I ain't going to even lie. We see these white kids sometimes even slapping their parents and talking crazy. And, you know, that is the ultimate no-no. That is something that we, we wish would happen. My mom always told me she was going to slap the black out of me, off of me, you know, if I was to lose my mind. And, and apparently I never lost it. I, I believed her to this day. And I don't know. Maybe she's probably lighter than I am because I don't know. She's her. Maybe her mama gave her an experience that slapped a little darker off her skin, a little melanin off of her. But I just know I'm chocolate as can be. So you guys know that I live the good lifestyle. I'm just saying I'm just saying. <laughs> Number four, this is the fourth nigga, y'all. Parenting is like the law of reciprocity. Think about it. If you get what you want, you give them what they want. But we have to explain that. If I, as a, you as a child have this conversation with your child, you know what? If I get what I want, you get what you want. Plant that seed. Get the, and anytime they want something and they're not doing what you're asking them to do, what, you don't understand. This is, this is the order. I get what I want. You get what you want. It's a law of reciprocity. So something to think about. That's the fourth nugget right there. The fifth one here. It's okay to talk to kids about our dating experience. I've seen, of course, you know, men, we go out and do our own thing. Fathers, especially if we we go through divorce or you have a single parent or whatever the case may be, we probably out in the streets. It's just, it's just real talk. Mothers, you guys take a, a methodical approach and I get it because you guys are the ones who a lot of times, especially at a younger age, you, you can't disconnect from your child because you feel like you're you're not being a mother if you don't have them every single day. And, and it's like, OK, that takes away from your motherhood because you can't be there and experience every little single moment with them. But, hey, when you're a single parent, you're not going to be there for every single moment in their life. You have to understand that that other parent is going to have to instill and do some things for them that you're not going to always be able to do for them. And that's what you guys would have done together. So let that process happen still naturally apart. And I just want to say it's okay to talk about your kids' dating experience. This is why I'm not dating right now because I think that you're more of a priority. Or this is what I would like to do and start dating because I, I would like a companion in my life as well. Even though you either have a father or even if you don't have a father, this is something that I believe that will benefit our household. And I would like to date, but I'm not going to just date anybody because I have standards. When we talk to them more about our dating experience, we, we get the, you get a chance to help them understand and develop their dating skills. So they're not foreign to it when they begin. And then when they have all a bunch of questions, it becomes this awkward feeling because it's like, I don't even know how to talk to my parent about this. And I don't, you know, and they're struggling or dealing with domestic violence or whatever the case may be. You've already set a precedent on what's supposed to happen throughout their dating experience. Six nugget. Try to help them develop their negotiating skills and how to change a no to a yes. If you say no to something, but you might be willing to say yes, let them know. This is how you can negotiate your, if you want me to say yes, you got to do such and such, but it's not only just one time. I need to, you need to prove to me that you're worthy of this. That starts to develop their negotiating skills, what they're going to need for the rest of their life and their adulthood. Number seven, this is the seven nugget. Challenge them to innovate and make a way out of no way. This is what I like to call the MacGyver effect. When they're stuck into a rut, 
do they immediately want to call you or are they thinking of creative ways in order to fix their own problems? And sometimes they do need wisdom. They do need knowledge. They don't want them to always rely on their own understanding because they ain't got a whole lot. You can help them all throughout that process and then challenge them to, to innovate versus just giving them the answers all the time. Give them a little bit and after that, see how their mind starts to spin and start to work through the problem. Give them the MacGyver effect. Give them a few things here and see how they piece it together and work themselves out of a situation. Number eight, don't over freaking do it. The micromanaging, overparenting, criticizing, not allowing to go here, not allowing to do this, not allowing to. You might be creating a monster. You're scrutinizing them as a child. That's a turnoff. Build that relationship. Don't break it down. Ninth. You got to have some mutual agreements. You got to work together and explain what needs to be broken in order for you to rebuild a relationship to make it better. Well, that's like what I call the you got to renovate sometimes their behaviors when they got bad behaviors. You're just renovating. I'm just breaking you with this bad behavior so we can create good ones. How to replace those behaviors with better ones. So that's the you got to tear some stuff down and demolition day. We got to break it down to what build it back up again. But we can't forget the rebuild part. To make the relationship better and stronger than ever before. Tip nugget. Be patient. Good things come to those who wait. And if you don't know it, the hardest person to change is yourself. So in order to train a child properly and to keep them on track is we have to be patient. Because we want to train them. We want to groom them. We want to develop them and help them to be the best that they can be. And yet we know that when we try these things with ourselves, we have resistance. So it's naturally going to come from a child and we just have to be patient to know that, hey, we're working to something better. And eventually it might not show up right away. But when it does show up, you're going to be sitting back there like I, I told you, I told you, I knew this day was going to come. And you're going to be proud. Eleventh nugget. Lead conversations. If you start off these conversations, you want to have them with the child. Don't just be like, OK, what do you think? Well, what do you got? What do you have to say about this? What do you have to lead the conversation? It's not that hard to do just to start off by giving them a story, giving them something to talk about. And don't be all super long with it. Make it make it relative. Be real. Don't tell them what you think they want to hear or try to be soft. No, expose the good, the bad, the ugly. And after that, they'll have so much more respect for you. Number 12. Last but not least, role play peer pressures. Role play peer pressures, because if we think they're not able to handle decisions, they're not able to handle consequences, they're not able to handle peer pressure, it's because we're not practicing enough with them and we're not giving them the opportunity to. So once we role play and once it actually hits them, they're already prepared versus being unprepared. And then after that, we don't understand why they made a stupid decision because they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. They might have been immature or didn't understand. So role play a lot of the the peer pressures that they're going to experience, whether it be sex or drugs or, or, or just, you know, just dumb things kids do. Just being juvenile delinquents. All I just want to say is that we can help our kids be better if we start raising adults at an earlier age. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of These Nuggets. God bless. I'm out.